0: I came from a series of these short-term failed relationships, and then I, I was on the point of just giving up. I said, you know what, there's no one out there for me. And what I didn't realize until now was that I needed someone older. It only comes with time that people see that, no, I'm not a kept man or a sugar baby. And, you know, I take care of him. He takes care of me. We're a couple in every way.
1: Hi everyone, this is the AgeWise Podcast.
0: Your assumptions are going to be turned somewhat upside down.
1: Where we talk about aging well. It's an issue that nobody wants to talk about. And wisely. I was totally unfamiliar with the term caregiver. You really learn what you're capable of. I'm Jana Panaridis. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. A quick program note, today's episode originally aired in June of 2017. It's a freeform, fun conversation with two men who are aging together with grace. We'll have an update at the end of the show, so be sure to stay tuned. Here's the show. In a video for Le Parisien TV, French President-elect Emmanuel Macron spoke out about the international obsession with the age difference between himself and his wife Brigitte. Addressing the speculation that he can't possibly be in love with his wife, who is more than 20 years his senior, he said, quote, If I was 20 years older than my wife, nobody would think for a single second that we couldn't be legitimately together. It's because she is 20 years older than me that a lot of people say, this relationship can't be tenable. It can't be possible. Well, not surprisingly, ageism takes many different forms, and it's alive and well in the U.S., our guests of today's show have experienced it firsthand. They are two men from very different generations who are nevertheless aging together with grace. Joining us here in the studio in sunny South Florida to talk about all this and more are Gary Verrill and Peter Fox. Gary and Peter, welcome to the Age Wise Podcast, guys. Thank you, Jenna.
0: Good to be here.
1: Tell us how long you guys have been together and how you met and how you wound up in Florida.
0: Okay, we have been together. This is Peter, by the way. Uh, Glad to be here. We have been together for over 10 years now. We met in New York City at a a random cocktail party. I'll never forget uh, our first date. Gary came over uh, in a French beanie, (laughs) a French beret, uh, a huge uh, black turtleneck, and a leather jacket. And I thought he was this, he he looked like this movie star from the 50s. And from then on, I I fell in love.
1: Gary, what's your remembrance of your first meeting?
2: I thought how cute he was and how interesting and smart and very resourceful because I was moving into a new apartment and I needed a lot of furniture put together.
0: (laughs) I was the handyman.
2: So I asked if he would be interested in doing that, and he said, sure, and, and he did a great job, and then I ordered a pizza. That was a very expensive
0: first date.
1: And so where were you living at that point? Uh, east side of Manhattan. East side, lower east side? Upper. Upper east side,
0: okay. And where were you Gary in? doesn't go below 42nd Street.
1: Tell us your ages, if you would.
0: Okay, I am 38, and Gary 73.
1: So Gary, you were part of the first out generation. You came of age during a really different social landscape in this country uh, than what we see today, which is what Peter is more familiar with. How have things gotten better for you?
2: Well, I just think society copes with being gay better today than when I was young. It wasn't even talked about or, you know, it was a whole different society. And I was married. My wife was uh, sophisticated, I thought, and uh, we worked in a business together. And and we had multiple residents, so we weren't always together.
1: Did you have kids together?
2: No children.
1: No children. Most of our friends happened to be gay. Uh, and you stayed married for 40 years. Right. Did you feel like you were living a lie? I mean, no.
2: no. I think she knew, but she she just kind of blocked it out of her mind. I had boyfriends, too.
1: Did she know about them? I think so. So it was an understanding. It was an understanding yeah. and, and also a business relationship. Right. And when did you end your marriage? Five years ago. Five years ago. Okay. Then I
2: just felt, we our business was, all, you know, we retired, and I just felt I want to remain friends with her, and, you know, just con- go to the next phase uh-huh. of our life, and I didn't want to kind of live alive when I retired with her. Before, it was like we were so involved with the business, and I lived in New York. She was up in Connecticut, and she, you know, so it was but then being together more, I just felt it would not be fair for her to live that life. And then I met Peter and you know, there was a lot of money at stake and I yeah. said, Let's just be fair, we'll divide it and then we'll be and you keep this and I'll keep that and we'll we'll get together once in a while. You could but then she, she
1: just turned and, and made it ugly. Mm. I'm sorry to hear that. Are you still in touch with her? Do you speak? No. Of it? Okay. <clears throat> So, before you guys met, had either one of you ed- ever taken care of a partner? Um, I've never taken care of a partner, but my
0: entire life, it seems, I was always uh, taking care of older folks. I huh. mean, my, uh, my mother had me when she was close to 40. Oh, wow. I'm an only child of okay. older parents, and uh, they both need care now. Unfortunately, I live uh, so far away, but uh, they're on, my mother's on dialysis, and my father uh, also has uh, diabetes.
1: And Peter, where do your parents live?
0: Oh, they live in New Jersey,
1: uh-huh.
0: and uh, but uh, I lived in New York for twenty years, mm-hmm. and I had a, a very good friend. He was a man in his seventies. Uh, his name was Mr. Delafield. I'd always go to visit Mr. Delafield a few times a week, and I would take him shopping. I would uh, I bought him an air conditioning uh, unit one time, and unfortunately, he he passed away a few years ago. Mm. And then uh, that kind of set the stage for uh, fast forward to me living in Florida currently. And uh, now I'm not only taking care of Gary, uh, I also have another elderly gentleman in my uh, building who's 92. And I take him grocery shopping and uh, I do the same thing. So I seem to always fall into the same kind of pattern. I, Uh I, I like taking care of people. It makes me happy.
1: And as an only child, you probably matured a lot faster.
0: Yeah, my mother said I was I was speaking so early, and I never shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I just still talk.
1: And your parents were probably your best friends growing up, right? Yes, they were. So you're far away from your parents. How often do you see them?
0: Uh, well, now we are at the twice a year huh. stage. You know, it, uh, I had to put a little bit of distance there, even though New Jersey was so close to New York. My visits weren't as frequent as perhaps they would have liked. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, at this stage of their life, the house is not really a very happy house. It's it's more of a hospital. So they needed like a full-time caretaker. Uh Unfortunately, I couldn't do that. So they have full-time help? Well, they have uh, my mother's sister. Uh, She is basically uh, the full-time caretaker. Okay. And and we're uh, lucky to have her.
1: I'll say. So, Gary, do you have siblings, and were they...
0: I have one sister, but I
2: never had to deal with any kind of sickness or old age. My parents were fine, and when they passed on, they just went one, two, three, and I, I never had to deal with taking care of anyone, so... Peter, he has more of that
0: caretaking type of personality where I really don't. And I've been lucky, health-wise. He's on not one medication, might I add. I'm on several, but he's on not one medication.
1: So how do you stay fit? I mean, you guys are both really fit.
0: Jeans. Tight jeans.
2: (laughs) I exercise and eat right. Very scheduled lifestyle, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I just try to uh, lead a healthy lifestyle.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the healthcare system. Has either of you ever faced any discrimination in the medical system?
0: Not me. No, I haven't. And actually, I was one of the millions of people who was uninsured for the majority of my uh, adult life until I was lucky enough to meet Carrie. And I come to find out now I had had an undiagnosed case of uh, mild depression and anxiety that I never sought treatment for because I frankly couldn't afford it. And now, um, luckily, since meeting Gary, I've had Obamacare. And that really saved, I mean, it saved my life. And I, I don't mean that casually, it really saved my life. And uh, I'm very lucky, as well as a lot of other people, very lucky to have had that and still have it. I'm not sure how it's going to transition into Trump care, but. Uh, oh, I think you
2: have a marketplace, Blue, uh, Blue Cross, uh,
0: good plan.
1: That was one of my questions too. I mean, what what sort of concerns do you have now with a, with the possibility? Oh, for, I'm, you know, I'm petrified.
0: I mean, I think this current administration is going to be it's, it's going to be very hard. I mean, let's face it. Let's hope we just have four years. Uh, or worst case scenario, eight. We have to get through it. We have to try to stay positive. It's not going to be a good time to be LGBT over the next few years. I don't think. I mean, uh, uh, hate crimes are on the rise. I, I just read an article about. Two men who were murdered on a train for defending a woman wearing some sort of Arab...
1: Right, in Portland. In Portland. Uh-huh, right. And, uh,
0: and they were good Samaritans. And, I mean, we're going to see a lot more of this kind of uh, stuff on the rise mm-hmm. now. If everyone feels like under Trump, they could do do and say whatever mm-hmm. you know, and get away with it.
1: In terms of health care. Oh, I'm very concerned yeah. because
0: Gary is, I mean, even though he's, he's, he's healthy, you know, in the next 10 years, I'm sure we're going to have to tackle some issues, you know. hmm But I'm on Medicaid. No, Medicare. Medicare.
1: Medicare. You're on Medicare. Right. And uh, in Florida, I'm not
0: sure uh, if they have them, but I had a friend in New York who used to volunteer at a uh, a lesbian and gay and transgender nursing home. Now, I don't know that uh, here locally, but I think that that was such a great uh, a resource for people in their golden years to uh, enjoy their their final years amongst other people of the same orientation. Extremely important.
1: What would you do if you had to go into a facility, Gary? Would you go into an assisted living facility?
0: No. Well, I, I would take care of it.
1: But what if Peter wasn't in your life?
0: Well, I'd hire someone.
1: And you would be able to. You have the financial resources for that, so you're lucky, right? Because one of the issues with gay folks is that the idea of going into an assisted living facility is like going back into the closet, and that's the reality. i I know based on you know the folks, some folks I've interviewed and research I've done that there that this is a big concern for older sure. LGBT adults. Sure. sure.
0: Well, why would they have a problem like going into a similar You them? mean assimilating with the other yeah. people?
1: Well, um, it's interesting because you don't have that concern, so you probably wouldn't even think about it, but a lot of the same prejudices that older LGBT folks faced in the early years of coming out, they feel they would face in an assisted living facility because it's still homogenous in a way, and they wouldn't feel comfortable being out. Funny you
0: mention that because this 92-year-old neighbor that I mentioned before, he gets all of this medical care from the VA, Uh and uh, we have had a conversation before, he's still closeted with them. Uh, He does not feel comfortable uh, labeling himself as being gay.
1: And I wonder what sort of resources he would have access to in the VA if he weren't closeted.
0: I would imagine the VA is a very, very straight male-driven place, I would assume.
1: I want to know if either one of you, if you've ever gone into a hospital or even gone on a doctor visit and felt uncomfortable even saying that you're gay. I don't feel
0: comfortable because uh, uh, people either take you or leave you. I mean, even by looking, uh, frankly, by looking at me, you can tell, I think the majority of people that I am a homosexual, so I don't get really asked uh, that much about it. I think someone like Gary, who is, if you want to say passable as uh, a heterosexual, would have... But I never remember anyone asking <laughs> me that question. And I've been in the hospital for different procedures.
1: Do you feel that you were given different service because you were gay? Oh, I'm
0: sorry to interrupt you. No. Uh, one time I did, I believe years ago, go to donate blood. And there was, some, uh, there was something about uh, the donation of blood and being gay. I think you are you are not able to donate blood if you are a, a, a male that has uh, had sex with another male. I'm not sure if that's still on
1: the phone. I think it changed. What year was that? Do you remember? Oh, uh, i lived in New York since 96. That's pretty recent even. Right, so, I think I remember that. Yeah. About New York. I was still in New York at that point too. And I feel like I remember that.
0: Something strange did happen to me the last time I went to the doctor to get the results of my blood work, which is usually standard issue. He said, oh, and you tested negative for HIV. And I said, oh, I didn't know that was part of the I, mm-hmm. I wonder if it was part of the testing, or if maybe he made a, an assumption that I was gay and just tested in- before okay. Anyone could have a training.
1: Oh Yeah, uh, sure.
0: But uh, so that was interesting. Okay. And you didn't ask if that was part of the test? Did, did you? I was, uh, I, I, mean, I I mean, there was no doubt in my mind, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but he uh, gave me cause for harm. Uh, okay. Since he said I was uh, negative, I, I said,
1: oh, okay. It sounds like you are not less inclined to get medical care because of possible discrimination. Is that ever a concern for you? Has it ever been a concern for you? Not for me.
2: No. Okay. No, the doctors down here are, you know, very sophisticated. You know, I'm a lot Uh huh. You know,
1: they didn't so narrow-minded. Or, you know, I would have no problem saying that I'm gay. Too. Let me ask you a question, Peter. Are you concerned about your own future health care? Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, we're all going to reach that point. When Gary's not around, are you concerned about what's going to happen Oh, to you? yes, yes, because
0: I'm afraid of reverting back to the person I was, you know, 10 years ago prior to meeting Gary. Who I, was that person? Well, it was a very... I mean, now I meet people from that era who see me, and they say it's night and day. They say they don't recognize me, not only physically, but also... In every aspect hmm. of life I was I had depression And that's like He was saying I'm, I'm an alcoholic I, I had i had depression And uh, I was untreated And it was not uh, pleasant
1: And how did that manifest for it
0: manifested you? Manifested in drinking for me mm-hmm. so I'm now a, a card-carrying member of AA And I go religiously twice a week And I have been for a year I'm going to be celebrating one year uh, Of
1: sobriety in August That's great what was the turning point for you? Well,
0: last August, I, I drank so much to the point of uh, blacking out, hmm. basically. And I was rushed to the hospital, where I was then put into a psychiatric uh, facility for a week. And then from there, transferred to a a, a rehab centre in Lauderdale, which I spent uh, four weeks. And they were really very, very good. It, it was a good, it was quality care. It wasn't one of these so... Now you're hearing about sober homes, where they're just fleecing uh, people. Right, we have them.
1: some down the street. and I don't know if they're fleecing people, but there's a lot of them down here. Like,
0: mm-hmm. My new specialty is dry parties. It doesn't sound like that.
1: But. So, what sort of stress did you feel like you were under? Well, then well. you didn't have the right medication to make. It. Yes.
0: Uh, uh, now I have discovered Prozac, and uh, that also has been a Prozac in addition to uh, AA. Support has just it, it changed my life. I mean, I wake up now and I didn't know it was possible to feel so good or life was worth living. Uh-huh. I thought life just pretty much sucked, and then I like, guess you died. But now uh, everything has uh, changed, I mean, from A to Z. But uh-huh. well, you still functioned, then. Oh, yeah, I was a total function. He functioned, he shopped yeah. for me, he cooked. he cooked.
1: Well, Gary, what was it like for you? I mean, were you caring for Peter in a way, at, I, during uh, that yeah, time?
2: Well, I had to care for him in a way where I had to make all the arrangements to get his medical insurance and to get him to the hospital and make sure that he was okay. He was okay, But there's a point that went on too long um, it would be too stressful for me yeah ever. he was uh,
0: he was taking care of me basically right. uh, mm. so it was a uh, uh, rever we, we did a role yeah. reversal uh-huh. you know, uh, and you know, that's not in my forte he's not a definition of a caregiver but uh, he did you stepped
1: up though It sounds balanced. like
0: yeah I mean I mean he also saved my life if I didn't have him uh, when I was in rehab there, those were some dark days long days and nights. If I didn't have him to look forward to on the way out, as so many people, they had no one. And unfortunately, we did lose two people that Uh I went to rehab with. They died. They OD'd. And they had, well, one had a wife and children. One had no one. And unfortunately, they just went back to the the
2: drugs. So why why do you feel that you would revert back to that after I... Oh, days. well, because uh,
0: I need insurance, and I need... I no, need...
2: you would have insurance. It's all set up. Oh, okay. That's all taken care oh, okay. of. Oh,
1: For life. The question that you're asking, Gary, is if you weren't around... Why would Peter be concerned about health care, his own health or and health Going
2: back to a dark day, oh. you wouldn't go back to drinking.
0: Oh, no, no, no. no. I, I, I'm referring to insurance. Right. Oh, no, well, that would be good. Well, well, the insurance mm-hmm. is what prevented me from seeking treatment. I thought about it years ago. But, you uh-huh. know, a lot of people my age, in their 30s, they th- we think we're invincible. So many of my friends who are freelancers and stuff like artists uh, have no insurance. And they're just, they're living day to day just by the uh, grace of God, hoping nothing happened. I mean, if this has taught me anything, and, and I pass it on to them, do not put off getting health insurance. I mean, even if it comes down to that or getting a new car that you want. I mean, get insurance.
1: I agree with you in principle that it should be a number one priority for most people, but many people, I think, are just having a hard enough time putting food on the table. Yeah. And the cost of insurance for a family has just gotten so expensive, uh, even for people with means. Have you guys ever talked about end-of-life issues?
0: Um, it does come up. Casually, over, you know, over dinner, we'll say something. Okay. Like, I'm going to pull the plug if you, if you don't finish up that steak.
2: No, all all that is documented. Yeah, luckily, we have living will and a
0: dying will
2: or whatever. It's all taken care
1: of. Uh Uh-huh. And what are your wishes, Gary? Pull the plug. Pull the plug. He
0: doesn't want to be a vegetable.
1: What about you, Peter? Oh, it would
0: be the same with me.
1: So, Gary, you have never had any health scares?
0: He had had small things like stone and uh, things of that nature. But I, you know, I took care of it immediately. All my doctors were great.
1: What's the uh, life expectancy in your family?
2: My father died at 75 because he didn't take care of himself. My mother died dancing. She was 81.
1: She died dancing? Well, yeah,
2: she went out. She was a firecracker. Never sick, but she had emphysema, I think, and then, I don't know, something happened, and she passed on. uh uh-huh. She didn't suffer. My, we didn't have any problems. My father had no problems where he was ever sick. We were just lucky. I never had to deal with that.
1: Were you close to them? Pretty
2: close.
1: Did they know that you were gay? We never discussed
0: it. That's the whole uh, generational yeah. Uh, yeah. gap we yeah. have. Uh, uh, ex- talked about extent, to a certain extent. Uh, in the early days, I was like, "Well, how could your parent, how could you not have uh, talked about it, mm-hmm. or, or, even, uh, you know, with your wife uh, of so many years?" And but I guess it was a, a generational thing people just didn't uh, talk about it that often, or, or at all, for that matter, uh, way back when. Mm -hmm. I was raised in the very, I mean, I was senior class president, I was homecoming king, I... I queen, sorry. Uh, I had all the adulations and awards. I was out and proud. I came Uh out, I think, sophomore year, and I graduated in uh, 96. I think that's great. I think
2: today's society is so much
0: better. It was actually cool to be gay. Everyone knew me from senior to, to freshman, and I just, I carried that forward. I moved to New York when I was 17, right out of high school. And so I mean to me I didn't experience any uh, a lot of prejudice uh, personally because I wasn't living in the Midwest or anything like that but
1: it's a lot easier yeah. to come out in New York than yes. is in a lot of other parts of the sure. country even
0: sure. today
1: Even today did you have any concerns about the age difference between you and Gary when you first got together
0: My biggest concern wasn't about the age it was the marriage part I had never been with anyone in a relationship that was married
1: His marriage yes. what you're saying yes. okay
0: So it took me a little bit to get over that and to understand it. And I actually met his uh, ex-wife. It was an awkward meeting, to say the least. And it it took me a while to reconcile that, you know, Uh with myself. Because I come from good Catholic people, you know, you you don't do that, you know, gay or straight. But uh, then I realized that their marriage was relatively open, I would say. And, you know, unfortunately it, it didn't end well. She threatened to sue me at one point, you know, for for what's called alienation of affection.
1: Sue you? Yeah. So you guys were dating for how long? We
0: were dating for around five years, and she was the one that initiated the divorce. We were walking in with his sister into the, the building he lived in at the time, and we were served right there in the lobby.
1: Well, are you married, you guys? No,
0: we don't actually need a piece of paper. Everything legally is done. That would be done if we were. To us, it's not a matter of we don't need that, you know, validation. We know, we know it in our hearts. And and I, I right. still tell people who are married, we are married. Just uh-huh. we don't have piece of paper. And
2: uh-huh. if I was young today, I would not get married to a woman or a man. I, I don't put any faith in that. Well, he's speaking after a bitter divorce. No, no, it's just the the world we live in. I don't think it would be necessary to get married. If you love someone and you live together, it's fine, but you
0: don't have to actually get married. I'm the biggest gay marriage advocate there is just because it's not right for me. I'm not putting that on anyone else. I believe everyone should get married. If the marriage
2: would help a man and a woman or two men uh, legally to do certain things and get you ahead in life, it would have to be a monetary
1: that's the American way. That's the American way, <laughs> so I have no problems with that. So you didn't have any concerns about the age difference between the two of you? You,
0: you know what? Actually, uh, I come to find out in hindsight, uh, I came from a series of these uh, uh, short-term failed relationships. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I was on the point of just giving up. I said, you know what? Uh, there's no one out there for me.
1: And Short-term failed relationships with men your with age? Men. Yeah,
0: my age. Okay. And what I didn't realize until now was that I needed someone older men my age seemed so immature. That I needed someone with more world experience basically. <laughs> so our age I almost never uh, I've almost never seen. I mean I would see the people look at us when we walk into a restaurant sometimes and I mean, How did that feel? Well, I look like the sugar baby, you know, I'm the cat man. I've been I've been called it all. It only comes with time that people see that no, I'm not a kept man or a sugar baby, and you know I take care of him, he takes care of me. Uh, we're a couple in every way, but the age difference for me doesn't. Yeah, we matter. don't. We don't even. see I don't it, think you know? about it. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, maybe if I was on a walker or uh, something. Yes, yeah, yeah, because he's so right. active and vital. And I'm—I uh, tend to be an old soul. And aesthetically, I think it's not a big,
2: big difference. You know is that people see us, and I say you, you both look good.
1: So it's I, so interesting because it's certainly when you look at our current president, who's seventy years old, and his wife, who's significantly younger—I don't know her age, but I know she's significantly younger. Twenty. Years. And then you also look at the president of France, Macron, who's right. married to a woman twenty-six years his senior, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and in certain. European cultures, it's not even thought twice of. He has
0: lost friends that sided with his wife, and uh, one in particular who he was friends with Over the age difference? Well, they thought I was probably a gold digger, for lack of a better word, and they didn't think he should divorce his Mm -hmm. wife when they Mm -hmm. did. They no longer speak, and it's sad, and he's gay.
2: Interesting. Even my ex-wife said, I don't think I could be with someone my own age. I mean, even with my ex-wife, when we were young, I said, you know, when we get older, we could be friends. But just, I can't have any relationship with an older person. It has to be young. And And
1: why is that, Gary?
2: That's my perception of
1: reality. Your own internalized ageism. I think that's very hard to get rid of. I actually interviewed somebody who said that ageism is the most deeply rooted form of prejudice that sounds about right. I mean, I know. I have it, too. Even yeah.
0: I'm guilty of, uh, you know, sometimes I'll be joking, and uh, I'll talk with this neighbor who's 92. <laughs> and, you know, he said, oh, he can't do this. Sometimes I just say, well, you should be happy that, you know, you could walk and talk at 92. And he says, oh, well, why do you always make age an issue? But at 92, it, it is.
1: Okay, so let's see. I'm going to ask both of you this question. Peter, how do you imagine yourself as you get older?
0: Very much the same as I imagine myself right now well-spoken, a sophisticated man, sober, most mm-hmm. importantly, and enjoying life. Gary? I, I don't know. I can't project how
1: how much, I, I don't know. Do you think about the future?
0: I can answer for him. Uh, he's not really a long-term
1: thinker. So you're very present-oriented. Mm-hmm. I try not to
2: think about it. I mean, I know it's coming fast, <laughs> it's going to be there, but I just live day by day now. I mean, even though I'm planning ahead, and then I think as long as you stay healthy and look good, then it's
0: okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The two pillars of LGBT
0: thinking. Staying healthy and looking good. That's kind of superficial, but.
1: I think it helps psychologically. I think if you look good, you feel good. So here's another question In your mind, how is aging different for LGBT folks versus non?
0: Well, I can only speak for gay men. I'm not so sure about lesbians. It's very, very youth-oriented. It's very youth-centric, and it's very look-centric, uh, much more so, I think, than the straight community. Well,
2: I think gay men are always looking at young guys. You know, I think that's just psychologically. But I think straight men guys are always looking at young girls, too. So I don't... Truthfully, I just think the male is the male. He's the gay of straight.
1: And how do you define aging with dignity?
0: I'm a firm believer in the right to die. We should give human beings the same rights that we give animals. Animals are euthanized when they get sick and when they uh, are in pain, and yet we let our elderly suffer and suffer and suffer without the ability of uh, euthanasia.
1: So for you, aging with dignity is allowing people to have a dignified ending.
2: Yes, Or being in control and saying when they want to end their life, I think everyone should be able to decide when the time to go is. Mm. I mean, I I think that would, if the person is of the same mind, I think that would be a good thing. You could be 80 or 85 and just say, well, you had it and you want to just end it.
0: Well, no, that's being cavalier. I'm talking about (laughs) uh, actually people who are in pain and suffering, have a terminal uh, illness i i'm a firm believer in uh, the right to die oh yeah but what about the right to die if you just figure you had enough? no if you had a bad hair day gary <laughs> no you are not allowed to die for that <laughs> we draw the line at bad spoken hair
1: by someone who has worked hard to stay alive okay. and gone through battling with depression and survived that an interesting perspective really different so what do straight people not know good people with good hearts about LGBT aging that you'd like them to know?
0: Well, that we are, that we are people too. And uh, uh, even though we're all humans, we're coming from uh, uh, certainly a different place. And just to uh, give us the respect that we deserve and, and just to be understanding about that. Well, most of the people we know are straight people. So I
2: mean it well, depends yes. on
0: who you're talking but, about. But we move in very sophisticated circles. You know, there are other people and uh, perhaps less fortunate than we are who are living in places that could be a could be a problem. Uh, be a problem. Mm-hmm. I, we have not encountered any of this.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask too, if your social no. scene has changed no. at all over the years.
0: No. No. Our building is uh, our building is pretty progressive. Uh, mm-hmm. We have we have a lot of uh, LGBT in the building of uh, all different... You
1: live uh, in a high-rise in West Palm Beach, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, we live in a condo. And all the straight-
0: Shocker. We Shocker. In, we live in a condo in South Florida. <laughs> well, you know, I've noticed the neighbors that love gay people, we have them over and, and some just don't bother with you and that's fine, too. Every, this well, we America. Don't, I say we don't bother with them. Yeah.
2: Not that they don't bother with us. I'm not interested in being with people that are narrow-minded. No matter. So the people that we we hang around with or invite over. Really, I don't think about us being gay. I just think about liking them and that they're sophisticated and open-minded and arty or
0: interesting.
1: How long have you guys lived down here?
0: Well, Gary lived here. He had a, an apartment 20 years ago. Okay. 30 years okay. 30 years, ago. 30 years ago, on the island. Part time I was down here. With- and then he moved to New York and we've been here. Well, I just made the big leap last year after 20 years in New York. So so that was a little bit traumatic. I had been getting my feet wet. What started as a weekend turned into a week. And then I would come down for a month. Mm-hmm. And then it was for a season. And then it became full-time. Uh-huh. So when did you come full-time? Uh, full-time for a year. You've been here full-time for a year. Yeah, okay. For a year, but okay. I've, we've been coming part-time for, I'd say, maybe four or five years. Uh, when I met Gary, he said eventually we we're going to end up in Florida. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> because prior to this, the only Florida I knew was Disney World, Orlando, and like maybe Tampa. And it didn't seem to appeal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had never discovered Palm Beach. My first foray into Palm Beach, I, I was hooked. I just loved it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, West Palm Beach is actually very multi generational, oh, I gosh. found, which is refreshing. Nice it wasn't like that I like years that. ago. Yeah.
0: And it, it's getting much more artistic, and it is getting younger.
1: Well, I like the fact that it's multi generational. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting, I think, living around a lot of people who are older. I think it's very sobering and very life affirming in a way. It's not for
0: everyone. Right, it's It's, not. It's not for everyone. I mean, I think of my friends in New York when I said I was moving to Palm Beach, they said, But you didn't
1: move to Palm Beach, you moved to West Palm Beach. uh,
0: (coughs) I I always say Palm Beach. uh, For people outside of this area, it's just, you just say Palm Beach. They wouldn't know West from, they say you're moving to a retirement community. (laughs) You're only 38. Yeah. (laughs) And a lot of them would not be happy living here, but I was raised by older folks, and for me, I, I thoroughly love it.
1: Well, I don't want to keep you any longer. I want to ask if you guys have any last thoughts that you would like to share with the audience.
0: Well, you know what? I think we have to remain positive. In these upcoming years, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be some challenges, definitely, that we have to face, but we just have to keep on keeping on, keep our chins up, and help each other. And I thank you for having us today. I think this is also a great resource. And if you touch even one person, I think it's great. And thank you.
2: You're
1: welcome, you know, I think
2: Jeff. it's great too. And I think for the people today, or the young people today, things are so much better. And I think it'll get easier as opposed to mm-hmm. so, yeah, you know,
1: I think it's going to
0: get better. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you.
1: This is great.
0: I'm taking off the headset.
1: Okay. Since we first aired this episode, Gary and Peter celebrated their 12-year anniversary. They're both still relishing life in South Florida. Gary's working on several interior design projects, and besides keeping busy as a newly elected board member of his building, Peter is helping out his 93-year-old neighbor Milton by taking him on weekly trips to the grocery store. Peter is still very involved in AA, and he celebrated his two-year sobriety back in August. But the biggest news of all is that Peter just turned 40. About that, he says, quote, I'm the old man now. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. In the meantime, if you like this show, please tell your friends about it and subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. The AgeWise podcast is produced by me and is distributed on the nationally syndicated Speak Up Talk radio network. I'm Jana Panaridis. See you next time. And remember, every caregiver has a story. I want to hear yours.